0: hallelujah so today we have a special treat um we have a uh, our brother pastor daniel m he's from onuri church and uh he's this good looking brother right here he's there's his beautiful wife over there as well with a baby on the way coming soon and so uh he's the he's the pastor oh well, we can we can clap to that actually baby on the way hallelujah And so, Pastor Daniel is a pastor of Acts 29. Correct. Acts 29 is a a youth ministry at Unnadi. Acts 937. 937? I get it. Why do I get it mixed up? 937. I I apologize. But he is the the pastor of 937. And uh, he's going to speak to us tonight. He's a fiery preacher. And I know we're all going to be blessed. So, let's just welcome him.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Um, why don't we open, uh, Just I know we spent time in prayer, but let's just uh, spend a bit more time in prayer. If you guys could close your eyes with me. God, we praise you. God, we praise you that you are our light and our salvation and that there's no one to fear. So we pray right now, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your word. That you would draw an even thicker wall of fire around this place. And that the enemy would be silenced right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus so that we would hear God, Your voice, and Your voice alone. So we ask, Lord, that You would convict our hearts, that You would move in us, so that we would never be the same. Because every time the people of God come to worship You and read Your Word, there's no way that they can leave the same. So may we be open to Your Word. May we be open to the Word that You have for us today. And may we be transformed and never be the same. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this church. And we ask, Lord, that you just build New Philly up to be a powerful light for this nation and the rest of the nations of this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Great. So, um, yeah, my name is Daniel, and my wife and I have been here. My wife's name is Christina, and we've been living in Korea for about nine months now. Uh, originally, we came from—well, uh, we came from Montreal. We were serving uh there. You're from Montreal? Nice. <laughs> right on. Bonjour. <laughs> Anyways, my French is not good because I was uh, pastoring in an English church in Montreal. Uh, before that, I was born in Vancouver, raised up there. We have Vancouverites too. Yeah, awesome. And my wife is from Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we we moved out to Korea about nine months ago because Pastor Eddie, the the lead pastor at OEM, uh, he used to be my youth pastor when he was going to seminary in Vancouver. So as a result, you know, we weren't really in contact, uh, but about nine, actually about a year ago, uh, he contacted me and asked if we would consider praying about coming out here. And ever since we came out, uh, God has just been confirming uh, through so many different situations why we are supposed to be here. Um, Praise the Lord. And and I also trust that God has brought me here, uh, not because I have something special to share with you, but because God has a word for you guys. Amen. So uh, you guys all know the, the poem Footprints, right? You know, it's, you know, all those, you know, cute little bookmarks you know, or on those little like, uh, I guess, those little plaques you can buy at Christian bookstores. And, you know, it's a very famous poem, you know, and so many times we kind of read through it or maybe we just kind of read it once and we're like, oh, yeah, that's the that's the footprints poem. And that's kind of all it is. But, you know, I, I would like to just read it through f- for you guys just one more time. Because I, I just, um, I really believe that God has a word for us even through this poem. All right. So let me read it. All right. Can you actually close your eyes? Why don't we close our eyes? And I want you guys to use your creative muscles. You know, as human beings, it's not that some of you aren't creative and some of you are. All of us are creative. Some of us have just lost it because we haven't used it, you know, Um, because every child is creative. So why don't you close your eyes and try to exercise those creative muscles and try to imagine what I'm saying. One night, a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This this really bothered him. And he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But but I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't, I don't understand why when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, My son, my precious child, I love you, and I will never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. All right, let's open our eyes. This poem really emphasizes just how powerful God is and how He relates to each and every one of us in times of trouble. And today I would like to share with you guys this word from Psalm 27. So when we look at verse 1, the first thing that we realize from this passage is that God is powerful. In verse 1, we actually read about three different aspects of God's power. You know, we read in Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light. So what we read in that first part is the power of light. Light, and you know, light is such a powerful thing. You know, it can be used as energy to run cars. It, it can be used as energy to give us electricity, right? It can even be focused so specifically that it can burn through things. You know what I mean? What is a laser beam? It's light. Focus light. You know, when I was younger, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever done this. Uh, you know, you know, you're younger, you have nothing really good to do, so you kind of get two magnifying glasses. You know, and then on a really sunny day, you know, you get those two magnifying glasses, uh, and then you find some bugs on the ground. You know, and then and then uh, you you put the bug in the magnifying glass, in, like on top of one of them and then you can put the other magnifying glass on top of that. So that's one way of doing it. Another way you can use two magnifying glasses to focus light. But either way, what you do through that is you try to get like a a light beam, you know, the sun rays to come so you're focusing the light with your magnifying glass, and then when you do that, it can burn the insect. Now, I mean, I don't do that now. Okay, so, you know, don't think anything weird about me. But the fact is, when we look at that, I mean, insects are all around and they don't burn up, but they're still in light. But when we focus light, we realize the power of light. And what we read here is that the Lord is our light. Now that you're just, now that you realize just how powerful light is, in Psalm 27, 1, I mean, God is our light, right? And in Isaiah 60, verse 19, it says, The sun will no more be your light by day. Nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. Saying the sun, the the moon, all the way that we naturally get light, don't worry about that anymore. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. So I want everyone to close their eyes once again. Sorry. You know, close your eyes. Uh, and uh, And I want you guys to imagine the sun. And I don't know, a few weeks ago, you know, we had that eclipse, right? Uh, And I don't know if any of you guys looked at the sun directly. (laughs) Hopefully you didn't. Maybe you're wearing glasses as a result of it, you know. But when you look at the sun directly, obviously, I mean, it it burns your eyes, it burns your retina. You know, that, that happens. But I want you to close your eyes and imagine that sun, that big sun that's not being covered by the smog and soul, it's not being covered by any clouds, but it's a perfectly clear day and you see that sun. There's no cloud in sight. Okay, imagine that. Now imagine there's, there's no trees around you either. So you're walking. Do you, do you feel the sun on you? Do you feel how hot it is because of the rays? Now, I want you to imagine two of those suns. One on your right and one on your left above you. How much hotter did it get? Now imagine three. Imagine four. Imagine ten. You can open your eyes. The reality is we'd all be dead <laughs> if there's more than one sun. <laughs> so you can't really ever experience that. But, you know, we can imagine it. And as hot as one sun is, imagine how hot a thousand suns are. And God is like a thousand suns. That is how powerful He is and how great He is. So we read in Psalm 27:1 that the Lord is our light. We also read that the Lord is our light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So the second type of power that we read in this passage, in this verse, is the power of salvation. And the fact is, when you enter into a relationship with Christ and have faith in Him, and you follow Christ, the Bible says that you become a new creation. Where the old is gone and the new has come, you have a new identity. And the fact is, if you don't believe in Christ, death awaits you. Eternal death awaits you in hell. But if you do believe in Christ, eternal life awaits you with our Father. That is powerful. And God wants everyone to come to know Christ. 2 Peter 3.9 God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Amen. God has a plan for every single one of your friends who don't know Christ. And we as a church need to begin seeing our friends not through physical eyes, but through spiritual eyes. For when we look at them through physical eyes, all we see is how much money they might have or how successful they might be or even what their physical needs might be. But when we begin seeing others through the eyes of Christ, what we realize is that people aren't just nice people and bad people. But when we see people through the eyes of Christ, we notice and realize that there are people who are, gonna, who are dead, who are walking zombies, and people who are living with the Spirit of God in them. How is that? And how should that affect the way that we interact with our friends and our family and our coworkers? The last thing we read in verse 1 is that the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So we realize that the third type of power that we realize that we see in verse 1 is the power of a stronghold. So we read that God is our stronghold, that God is our refuge, and that God offers us complete protection. So why should we be afraid of others? For the Lord will protect us. You know, oftentimes we think of stronghold, you know, oftentimes we might, as we pray, we might say, God, break these strongholds over my life. Or break these strongholds over this region or over these people and that type of stronghold is a different type of stronghold that we read in verse 1 here that type of stronghold is more of a prison that the people have found themselves in by believing lies and they need to be that stronghold needs to be broken through showing them the truth and the truth is Christ but this stronghold is more of like a bunker you know if any of you guys play video games or ever did play video games you know if you go in a bunker The enemy can't really hit you unless they, you know, like they throw a bomb at you, like a big bomb, right? Because there's kind of like these little like, you know, these little like holes and you can, you know, kind of shoot out at them. And that's, that's what we read here. The Lord is our bunker. God is our stronghold. God is our refuge. She is the one that is going to protect us and offer us complete protection. So why should we be afraid of others? Therefore, a life that trusts in God is powerful. Psalm 27.2 When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. How? How are they going to stumble and fall? It just doesn't make sense. When people make fun of us, it hurts. When people forget about us, hurts. When people don't want to hang out with us, or they seem to phone everyone else except you, it hurts. So how is it that our enemies are the ones who stumble and fall? Aren't we the ones that stumble and fall when we're hurt? Let's read verse 3 to find out. Though an army besiege me, My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. We read here that no matter who hurts us and no matter what happens to us people of God even if a huge army comes against us, if we understand the power of God, remember the Son, remember the greatness of two sons, of a thousand sons, if we understand the power of God and how God gives us new life when we believe in Him, then we can trust and be confident in God. For we are new creations. Then, and only then, Can we live a powerful life because we trust in God. What else we realize, the other things that we realize in this passage, especially in verse 4, is that a life that trusts in God is also focused. Verse 4, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. What is the focus of your life? I want you to think about this. What is the focus of your life? Okay, let's ask it in a different way. What are, what are the goals of your life? What are the things that you want to achieve? you know those like 1 month 3 months 1 year 5 year 10 year goals you know we read about this these kind of things that we should set them what are the goals in your life what are your eyes set upon it's another way we can think about it is it to for those of you who are students is it is it to to get good grades maybe is is it just to you know work make money and have fun? Is it success? Is it perhaps success and our, our eyes are focused on that success and on that money so that we think in that time when we are successful, when we do have more money, then we can give more to God? Because if your eyes are on success, it's not on God. Even though you may want to use that for God, are your eyes on money? Is it on fame? Is it for guys? Is it for that pretty girl? You know, that's sitting over. You know, (laughs) like, oh, hello. (laughs) You know, (laughs) okay, you're probably not that awkward. You know, or 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 girls? Is it for? Is it for that pretty guy? Yes, I, you know, in like the day and age, of like the metrosexual guy. No, I, I, I'm trying to say handsome guy, right? Girls never call a guy pretty. It's kind of like, oh, you're pretty. Thanks? <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. Anyways, or is it is it even to have a family or get married? You know, what are your eyes set upon? What we read in verse 4 is that the person who trusts in God has one focus and one focus alone. Everything else is secondary. There's no way to have like the one A and the one B. The person who trusts in God has one focus and everything else is secondary. Also, the person who trusts in God focuses on worshiping God. We read in verse 4 that the person who trusts in God wants to dwell with God. And to dwell with God means... That you wanna hang out with them, just like you wanna hang out with your friends. Means that you wanna spend time with God. Even if that means just, you know, when you spend time with your friends and you don't even have an agenda, you just get together and people are like, what do you wanna do? And you're like, I don't know. And you know, other people are like, what do you wanna do? Oh, I don't know. And you're like, okay, what do you wanna eat? Let's go out to eat. Okay, where do you wanna eat? Oh, whatever. What do you wanna eat? Oh, whatever. What do you wanna eat? Pizza? Okay, let's eat pizza. Oh, I don't want to eat pizza. Okay, okay, what do you want to eat? I don't know. You know, like, you know, like two hours pass and it's like, you're still, like, outside the church. (laughs) Not moving. (laughs) You're like, hey guys, you know, that's good fellowship. Alright, cool, good, good. You You know, that's what it means to dwell with God. You just want to spend time with Him. Another thing, uh, I guess you guys do that, huh? Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the other thing is that a person who trusts in God um, wants to gaze upon God. And to gaze upon God means that you want to look at Him. So, guys, you know, when you see that pretty girl, you just can't take your eyes off of her, right? And, and I know you don't want to be too blatant to be like, you know, it wouldn't be that blatant, but, but, you know, when you see that pretty girl, or that girl who just steals your heart, you just can't take your eyes off of her, right? <laughs> Brownie point, <nice>. um, <laughs> And girls, um, women, when you see that guy, that guy who just, he, he just he's just like, he knows just what to say. and, And then when you're feeling down, He just knows how to comfort you, what to say. He's not like a player or anything like that. He's not like slick, but He's just like so kind. And He makes you feel like there's no other woman in the world. That's what it means to gaze upon God. To look at Him with love and to want to spend every moment with Him. We also read that the person who trusts in God wants to seek God. And no matter what, through the good times and the bad times, the person who trusts in God will seek Him. So the fact is, when we are focused on God, this actually goes on and affects all of the relationships that we have with other people. In verse 5 and 6, For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me and His tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. We realize that we will still have troubles and hardships. But trusting in God doesn't get rid of this. Trusting in God means that during those tough times, when we are hurt, when we are abandoned, and we are made fun of and all alone, trusting in God shows us a life that trusts in God allows us to know that God will keep us safe. That He will comfort us. That He will embrace us. That He will give us peace. And that He will give us that deep inner joy. That's what it means to trust in God. And that's what happens if you live a life that fully trusts in God. We see from verse 7 to 14... That a life that trusts in God perseveres. Verse 7 Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. And your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, people of God, and wait for the Lord, New Philly. Have you ever cried to God? Have you ever called out to God in times of trouble and it just seemed like He wasn't there? I mean, you cried out to Him once. and He did answer. He did deliver you. But... This other time you were crying out, you were just crying out, to you were calling out, you were just like, God, where are you? Why are you letting me go through this? And nothing. People may come up to you and try to encourage you. They give you this verse, that verse. But it's just not sinking in. In those times, we realize from this passage that the one who trusts in God understands that in the good and in the bad, they must always have their focus on God and seek His face. The one who trusts in God realizes that even if humans hurt them, even if your mother and your Father forsake you. Or do not love you. Or do not say the words that you just so long to hear. The one who trusts in God realizes that God is their Heavenly Father. And that He will always take care of us. You know... um, when I, when my wife and I first moved to Montreal, um, we both just got married. Okay, it was kind of like, huh? We we got married in August 2006, and both of our contracts ended right before we got married. Okay, so I was—I was—you know—we were both fresh out of college, and I was interning at this church, and you know, my contract was ending, and you know, Christina was—she's a social worker, so she was she was helping out at this camp with these uh, children who were uh, who had um, disabilities. I was trying to find the PR world word. You know, my wife teaches me these things. I used to be very rough, you know, um, you know, and she was she was with them. Uh, and we were getting married in August, but both of our jobs ended in August. And, when, you know, we wanted to go on honeymoon, but we didn't know what we were going to do after. <laughs> so we were praying. We were like, God, please provide at least one of us with a job before we get married. And praise the Lord that he provides. Because the week after, actually, no, know, we were praying, praying, praying. And then uh, God, at the end of July, He spoke to each and each of us separately, uh, saying that our time at the church that we were serving at was coming to an end. Then a week later, uh, I got a call from this church in Montreal. Uh, and that pastor, I hadn't spoken to him for 10 months. Yet, at the exact right moment, he contacted me and asked if we would be willing to move out to Montreal coincidence? I don't know. Don't think so. <laughs> Let me go on with the story. Uh, we get to Montreal. You know, for our honeymoon, we, uh, my car was in Vancouver. So we flew out to Vancouver and we drove all the way from Vancouver all the way to Ottawa. You know, we, t- you know, we drove for three weeks, spent a lot of time, you know, stopping at the Rockies and the Prairies, Ontario, everywhere because uh, we just wanted to see all of Canada. You know, we missed the east side. We'll go there one time, you know, but um, that's what our honeymoon was. So when we got back from our honeymoon, uh, we moved, you know, we packed everything up, we moved to Montreal, uh, and, you know, we were we were talking to the pastor. We were like, okay, God, you know, not God, you know, hey, guy, you know, <laughs> pastor. Uh, you're not God. Okay, um, so we want to move out, and our lease get this. Okay. know, So <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. Okay. So when we were going to get married, I moved into our apartment first. Okay. So I moved into our apartment in uh, July. Okay. Actually June at the end of June. Uh, and then what we were doing, we were actually taking over a sublet. Okay. So the sublet was going to go to October. Uh, and you know, we were taking that over and then we had to sign another year. So I thought this whole time that when we had signed the contract, we had signed over the sublet and the whole year. But I didn't know that we actually didn't sign the year over. We actually just only signed the sublet. So when I was like, okay, I guess we have to find a sublet for our apartment. And when I looked at when we had to get out, it actually ended the day, like it, it, our, our apartment ended in October, the end of October, and we were supposed to start Then as well. It's actually beginning of October. Yeah, sorry. The apartment ended end of September and we started at the church end of September. So God provided that way as well. And then when we moved there, we were like, okay, you know, um, when we move, how are we going to pay for everything? You know, Christina doesn't have a job, only I do. How are we going to, like, find an apartment? We don't even know anything about Montreal. And then the pastor was like, oh, you know, we have a basement suite in our house. You could just live there, you know, as a kitchen, as everything, you know. It's just all full out, you know, we'll give you a good price. So I was like, okay, cool. So we get to Montreal, we get there, and uh, uh, his house was new. And I guess the materials and everything came a bit late. (laughs) So when we got there, the basement suite wasn't actually finished. So we got there, you know, newly married couple, you know, got there and there's no kitchen. There are no cabinets. There's no fridge. There's no stove. All we had was a washroom, our living room and our bedroom. And we were like, what are we going to do? You know, is, you know, eating out isn't as cheap as it is in Korea. You know, what are we going to do? So the pastor said, like, okay, you know, why don't you just eat every meal with us? Okay? Just eat with us until we get you your fridge and all that stuff. Okay? I, I didn't think much of it, but at the end of the month when I was doing our budget, filling everything in, we actually wouldn't have been able to survive if we had our own kitchen. So God provided our daily bread that way. Amen? Amen. And just as God, just as that really short story, that small story, just as God provided for us, God provides for every single one of us here. Now the question is, are we holding our daily bread? Are we holding the necessity to take in, to provide for ourselves, to work ourselves? Are we holding that as our responsibility? Or are we giving that to God? Trusting that He will provide for our needs. Because if you think that you need to do it all yourself, God will say, go ahead, do it all yourself. But if you give it to God, and you trust Him for your daily bread, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here you go. And His daily bread is more than enough. So in the same way, God is taking care of each and every one of you. God is faithful and is providing each and every one of you with your daily bread, your needs, and most of all, with safety, protection, prayers, and love. So New Philly, trust in the Lord. As we read in Psalm 27, trust in the Lord, New Philadelphia Church. Persevere, continue learning more about God and how to live a life fully trusting in Him. Keep on making God the number one priority in this place, where you are worshiping in spirit and in truth. Make Psalm 27 for your prayer. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple and then offer up the details to God. Faith doesn't need to be complicated. It's simple. Trust in God. Love God and love others. And as you do this, God will continue to pour out His provision and lead you in the straight path. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, may we place our eyes on you and you alone right now i want to ask if you guys can just examine your heart when i ask that question what are your eyes set upon what are the goals of your life and what is the focus of your life when i ask those questions what came to mind What are the goals of your life? Is it primarily Christ? Or is it primarily something else? I want you to search your heart. And whatever else it is, I want you to confess that to God and offer it to God. my father and mother forsake me the Lord will receive me. I know for many of us the relationship that we have with our parents is a sore spot. Maybe some of us have come to Korea to get away from them. Whatever it may be I want to encourage you that although your father and mother may forsake you that the Lord God your father will receive you so if there are still hurts or grudges or things that you have not resolved with your parents I want you to lift those things up to God and ask him for the strength to right those wrongs to say those things that you need to say and pray that God would soften your parents and draw them nearer to God let's pray for that and wind, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this temple. You would fill this place with your forgiveness and your embrace and your touch. Heal those hearts. Mend those wounds, oh God. Holy Spirit, Lastly, I want to ask them the question Who is providing your daily bread? Are you trusting in your intellect? Are you trusting in your job? The security of your job, maybe? What if God took it away tomorrow? Would you have a nervous breakdown? Or would your heart be at peace? Because your job isn't the one that was providing you with your daily bread. It was God. So as a sign of surrender, I want you to lay your hands open. Lay your hands out, open. Palms up. And I want you to pray and ask God, God, if there's anything if I'm trying to provide my daily bread or if it's my parents or my work or whatever it may be, those are the things, people of God, those are the things that are in your hands. I want you to offer that up to God, throw it up to God and ask that your hands would be empty, your heart would be empty so that God would fill it so that you would come before God just as the Israelites did when they were in the desert, when they trusted God for their daily bread. May we trust in God for our daily bread and not our savings, our bonds, our stocks or our inheritance or whatever it may be. So I want you to offer that up to God and ask that God would develop a heart that trusts in Him by first trusting in your daily bread. So let's pray for that. God, we surrender. We surrender the rest of our day to you. We surrender our tomorrows, our past, our present, all to you. And we pray that you would develop in us childlike faith. God, we pray that you would break the yokes of apathy, of disbelief. May you allow us to trust in you once again. So those areas that we have not fully surrendered yet, may you grant us the strength to surrender them. And those areas that we do not know that we have to surrender, God, I pray that you would bring those to mind so that in the coming days we may surrender it continually to you. We thank you, Lord, for we are convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.